You're listening to The Treatment Room with Tess and Lauren, the podcast by estheticians for estheticians and those who seek to learn about their own skin from a professional's perspective. We're diving into our whys as licensed skincare therapists, sharing in our career journeys and separating the gimmicks from the real heroes in skincare. Welcome to The Treatment Room. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Treatment Room with Tess and Lauren. I'm Tess, and I am here with Lauren today. So we have gathered a few questions we would love to answer for you guys so we can ensure we're answering the questions that are top of mind for you guys. But we thought we'd just kind of ease into this podcast, have a little chat. Lauren, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I am getting ready to go on a little work trip this weekend. I'm going to Nashville and then to Green Bay. I've never been to either, so I'm pretty excited. <gasps> Wait, we've been wanting to go to Nashville. We've been talking about going to Nashville for probably five years, Yeah, as long as I've known so you. long we've wanted to go to Nashville. I know, so now I'm going for work, and I'm super <laughs> excited, so I hope I have some time to kind of go around a little bit and see what Nashville's all about. I'm sure you will. My cousin actually lives there, so I can tell you about all the hot spots. Oh yeah, I want to know. I want to go. I want to go to the cool spots. Yeah, you will. You will. That's awesome. What's up with you? What's going on? Oh man, I'm just. I'm tired. I don't know if it's the weather. Just it's warm here in the Bay Area, which is amazing. It's also just midweek. I feel like Thursday is when I kind of hit a wall. Yeah, I think. Yeah, just, you know, having such a physical job, it takes a toll. I'm always running around doing my other job, which some of you may know is working for my family business. So juggling that and then, you know, YouTube, podcasting and Mercury being in retrograde, I feel like. Uh, I know. Like things are good, but sometimes, you know, the energy just gets a little high. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I know. Sometimes, especially, I feel like when we're into we're into astrology. I don't know if anybody else is, but I just feel like when like something astrological is going on, like a Mercury retrograde or something, I just am like, I'm exhausted. I I have like no patience. I have a real short fuse for things, and I feel like you need a day off. I know. No, I feel like that's how I'm starting to realize a burnout is coming on. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm starting to get like a little short tempered, I feel like I also just my sleep hasn't it hasn't been bad. But even the days when I can sleep in until seven or seven thirty, like not a super late sleep in, but Mm -hmm. I just can't. Like I'm programmed to wake up at six now, which is just it's whatever. I know. I'll stop whining. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm tired. Okay, we're pushing through. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, should we dive into the first question? Let's dive into these questions. Okay. So the first one I had, she said, okay, sorry to put your mom on the spot here, but (laughs) here's what she said. She said, hi, Tess. I had a quick question. My mom just told me she was going to get vitamin C pills and make her own concoction of a vitamin C serum. I was trying to explain to her it wouldn't be as effective as medical grade or a professional serum, but I'm not sure how to further explain it to her because she is very stubborn. 
Okay. Well, we have thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. You, 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 you can take this one test because okay. I'm sure we'll both pop in here. Yeah. Yeah. So I think just in general, I know there's a lot of temptation to just use what you have in your kitchen. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just important to realize there's a reason we we do pay a premium for skincare and especially things like serums, which are intended to have a very small molecule so that it can reach, you know, a deeper layer of the epidermis. I know it's so tempting to just, you know, throw together a, I don't know, what's on Pinterest these days, like a baking soda and lemon concoction or... turmeric mask or activated charcoal, like all that stuff. Yeah. And I know I've said this before, but I think they're just, there's a real reason not just you know, I mean, just for your safety and the safety of your skin as an organ, there's a reason these things are formulated in in labs and they involve chemists. It's about not only the ingredients, so what is in the product, like you might see some of these ingredients in your products and think, oh, I could just make this at home. But, you know, there's a reason, like there's true chemistry involved and that formulas really, really matter, that there's delivery systems, all these things like this to reach the skin. And Lauren, I'll let you talk too, but vitamin C is just one of those really tricky ingredients. Probably like notoriously in skincare, the trickiest type of formula Mm -hmm. with vitamin C, there's, you know, L-ascorbic acid, which we see a lot. And there's magnesium ascorbyl phosphate, which can be a little bit more gentle. So, you know, different types of vitamin C to consider as well as what they're stabilized with because vitamin C, it can either be inactive by the time you get it or it can be unstable, meaning it could be very reactive. And usually to get the pH of the product to a normalized place where it's received well by the skin because vitamin C is already very acidic. So to get it to a place where it's, you know, receiving it where it's received by the skin it has to be formulated in a very specific way and I'm very picky even with the formulas I buy Mm -hmm. so just the thought of crushing up you know some vitamin c tablets at home and trying to I don't without a chemistry background I don't think this is a good plan (laughs) yeah I I completely agree and what you were saying I just like I did a post on this recently about um I did it. Well, it was a story about like, you know, brands that sell a hundred percent pure L-ascorbic yes. acid, like just selling raw ingredients. It's, it's just not safe because as you no. said, like uh, vitamin C is super acidic on the skin um, or super acidic just as a raw ingredient. So there's, like you said, there's so much that goes into a product to balance the pH so that it doesn't irritate the skin so that it can be absorbed by the skin and it needs to be stable. You need to have some kind of stabilizer in there, especially if you're going to be mixing something with water, you can't, it, it will, it will go rancid almost immediately. You have to have a stabilizer. Mm-hmm. You have to have a preservative, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. powdered products are more stable because when water is introduced, that's when you have that, um, 
that instability and that's when you need to start adding extra things, which is why formulating lotions and creams is so difficult Mm -hmm. because it's like a water oil mix, but without Mm -hmm. going too much into the chemistry. And of course I am no chemist. I just kind of, you know, love talking about it, but it's just, I think a little dangerous and it's, it's also just not worth it. I mean, if you think about what you're going to spend probably what, 20 bucks on a bottle Mm -hmm. of vitamin C pills, I'm sure that would last you forever Mm -hmm. if you, Mm -hmm. you know, were actually truly mixing it with something. However, it's going to go bad. You're just going to be wasting your $20. Put that $20 towards a serum that's $60, $70. And then you're going to get something that's actually going to work and isn't going to damage your skin in the process. Right. And two other considerations are the type of packaging with vitamin C. I'm always looking to see that it's a dark bottle. And Mm -hmm. if you're making something at home, um, uh, yeah, I'm also wondering how she would store it. Yeah, Is it away from light? Does it get oxidized? And the other thing to think about is, you know, vitamin C serums are really the most potent way to receive the ingredient. But even when you get into vitamin C creams, it gets a little dicey because, Vitamin C is wonderful, but sometimes in these creams, it really just can't reach the skin in the same way. It can provide antioxidants, but as far as really like boosting that collagen synthesis and providing anti-aging benefits, um, I think she would have to formulate it as a serum. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And it just also becomes a, a question of like, how much of that are you putting on your skin? Because that was one of the big problems that I had when I was looking at this product that was just pure L-ascorbic acid was yeah. like how, you know, the, right. the the consumer is not a chemist. How do they know how much? Because it was, you know, the idea was you, you sprinkle some of this into your moisturizer or whatever, into your cleanser yeah. or whatever. But it's like, how do you, as the consumer, how do you know how much to use? How much is safe? How much is going to be effective? Right. So it just, yeah, I just think bottom line, it's not worth it. I think it's just going to cause more trouble than it is good. And there's, like you said, there's a reason that we have these companies that spend so much money in creating their formulations, testing their formulations, paying chemists and paying, you know, doctors and everything to make sure that it works properly. If it was easy, I mean, hello, everybody would do it. That's right. You know, yeah. Bottom line, I think just not worth it. It just, just get something that, you know, is going to work. You're going to be a lot happier, I think in the long run. Yes, perfectly said. And Lauren's post was amazing. So you guys got to check that out. We have our handles in the show notes. Yes. Thanks. Okay, so next question was just a an ingredient label that somebody screenshotted and sent over to just basically ask our review on it um, or to test because it was to test. Um, but I think that we wanted to talk a little bit about this because there's so much mm-hmm. that goes into products and ingredients and formulations. I mean, just like basically just what we were talking about with vitamin C, it's the same thing for any product. There's, there's so much that goes into it. And it's just like, we have, of course, a really great base of knowledge, but for us, it's, we have to look at, you know, each, each ingredient. And for instance, with this with this um, label that was sent over, it says the ingredients literally say like vitamin E, vitamin C, you know, organic green tea, but it's like, okay, so is it the whole tea leaf that's in there? Mm-hmm. What kind of vitamin C is it? Is it tocopherol vitamin E or is it a derivative of some other type of, you know, from something else? It, there's so much that goes into an ingredient label um, that 
yeah, it's, sometimes it's hard to read them, to be honest. Yeah, even something like hyaluronic acid, there can be different mm-hmm. grades and qualities and um, types of hyaluronic acid. So it's tough to just, you know, I know to k- try to dissect what is in your skincare. Mm-hmm. But I think it's always, you know, worth a Google and, you know, digging into things a little bit deeper and always considering, you know, the type of brand and the sourcing of it, where it comes from, if it's coming from something like Amazon, um, you know, there's always a little bit of a risk there, like pretty big risk, I would say involved. So that's why I always, I would say, you know, support a small business buy from a spa, medical spa, um, support them and just be ensured that you're actually getting what you're paying for. I think, you know, of course Mm -hmm. there are legitimate sites to trust, but, um, just looking at a quick ingredient snapshot, we wanted to highlight that there are other considerations involved. Yes, exactly. We're always happy to help. And I love reading ingredient labels because I love to just familiarize myself with what's out there, but yeah, it can be a little, a little tricky and definitely worth a Google. Like Tess said, I mean, there's so many good um, websites out there. Like I always talk about inky decoder because they, it's what I use. You know, if I, if there's an ingredient that I don't know, because sometimes I don't know all these ingredients that are like PEG one, five, four, two hexagonal. Like all yeah. that stuff. So yeah, definitely worth a Google to familiarize yourself. But I think also finding brands that you that you know and that you trust is really good. So as opposed to having like a product from this brand and from this brand and from this random brand, it's like if you find a, a brand that you that you know does has good products, I think that it it is wise if you're not getting um, professional recommendations for each product. I think it's wise to stick with a single brand because they do also formulate their products for the most part to be able to be used together synchronistically without any um, adverse reactions. That's a great point. And yeah, I think keeping in mind, of course, you don't always need the whole range of products. Of course, brands are going to create a whole line to, and you might be tempted to think you need everything. Maybe you don't, but I think, yeah, just so things are synchronized, um, it can be helpful to buy from one brand and, you know, there's different acids that may work together from one brand, but when you are mixing different concentrations and, um, kind of working across the board, I think it can get a little bit dicey. So I think that is a great thing to, thing to consider the routine as a whole and how things may work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's a bigger picture than just individual products and individual ingredients. Of course, and it you know it really depends on the skin type as well. Seeing a, a screenshot of an ingredient deck, you know, for for one person, vitamin C and vitamin. E, may be a dream team and then for somebody who's very oily and acneic it could cause a problem could be a little bit too much nourishment so yeah all those things considered and we all learn as we go and I think even dissecting your own ingredient label is a great way to just learn more Mm-hmm. There's always new ingredients popping up that I'm like what the yeah, heck is that I've never right. heard of that before like what was one recently that we were talking about was um I don't even know how to pronounce it. Buckchiol. 
Buck choil, yeah. Buck choil, yeah. And it's a it's a, like a plant alternative to retinol. Which right. I thought was I want to try it really bad. I know Biosance has a has um, a phytoretinol serum with buck choil in it, so I want to um, try it and see how it is. Yeah, yeah. I started hearing about buck choil when I worked at Credo, and it was a nice alternative for people who are pregnant because mm-hmm. you can't use um, retinol when you're pregnant, but you can use buck choil. So yeah, always new ingredients coming out. So we're all learning as we go. Okay, we'll move on to the next question. So this person says, I don't use makeup on a daily basis, but when I do and try to remove my makeup with micellar water, it burns in the eye area really bad. Any idea why? Okay, so one suggestion one suggestion I had was that there could possibly be fragrance or mm-hmm. alcohol in the product. Yeah, that that eye area is the most delicate area of the face. So anything like that could certainly cause irritation and it really shouldn't burn that bad. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, just a good little red flag to be aware of. Yeah, I, to be honest, I don't get micellar water. I don't understand it. Yeah. How does this thing work? Yeah. I I googled it and it says it's a mild surfactant yeah so it like binds it from what it sounds like to me it would bind to the dirt and makeup on your skin and then remove it that way so yeah I think one of the things I've learned about micellar water is it is like a formula of oil and water so you really don't want to consider it as a cleanse, which I think right. a lot of people kind of think of it that way mm-hmm. as like a first cleanse. But no, it's really just um, sitting on the skin. So Yuck. yeah. I'm just um, not a fan of that. I just, I don't know. It just seems weird yeah. to me. My sister really likes it. Yeah. I, don't, I don't get it. I don't totally understand how it works. I've tried it myself and I honestly did not feel like it worked that well. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I feel like it was a big buzzword too, when it first came out and they started coming out with like micellar shampoo and, um, (laughs) yeah. And I know they have oil free versions now, Mm -hmm. so that's kind of interesting. Um, I've actually used the Garnier oil free, alcohol free, fragrance free version. Mm -hmm. And I think it for me, it's been okay, and I just use it around the eye area, and it removes stubborn eye makeup really well. But I think this leads into our next point, which was another question asking, is it okay to use pure cold-pressed jojoba oil to melt my makeup away and then follow up with a face wash? Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, would you recommend jojoba oil for removing makeup? Well... I have a lot of thoughts on this because personally I prefer on myself. I use an oil cleanser every single day, twice a day um, to remove my makeup, but then also in the morning just for a light wash. Um, I love an oil cleanser, but Tess and I were just talking about this. I think that it's very personal. I think most people with like normal skin types or dry skin types can do really well with an oil cleanser. But people who are really acneic and super oily probably wouldn't love an oil cleanser. So I do think it depends on your skin type as well as the type of oil cleanser that you choose. So 
from my experience, there's a couple that's out there on the market. There's an oil cleanser, which is just pure oil. And then there are oil cleansers that contain an emulsifier. And that emulsifying agent, what it does is it allows the oil cleanser to rinse clean with water. So, And that's the type that I prefer. So the way you would use that is you put your oil cleanser onto dry hands, massage it onto your dry skin, and then you add a little water to your hands, emulsify the oil on your skin, and then it just rinses clean with water after that. Um, That's my preferred type because it, first of all, it works really well. And also I find that it rinses off most, if not all of the oil. And you should always be following with a second cleanse anyways, especially if you're removing makeup. So to me, that's my favorite one. And I think that a lot of people can, um, can benefit from an oil cleanser. But again, I think that if you are acne prone or super oily and just don't really want to risk it, then, um, another option like Tess talks about the, what are those called? Makeup erasers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Then that would be a better option. Yeah. For me, removing oil in my routine or really minimizing it has been a big factor in kind of getting my acne and the whole infection under control. So I'm kind of on team no oil cleanser. I know there's (laughs) estheticians can be totally divided on topics. That's more than fine. Mm -hmm. For me, I prefer like a, a, a light creamy cleanser that may have some light oils in in it um, as opposed to an oil cleanser. Just for me, I feel like it rinses more clean. And that's just one thing to consider. Like there may not be proof. How do you find proof that any of these products really rinse clean? Um, But I think, especially when it comes to the thick cleansing balms that are really popular. Um, I think there's more of a risk involved there. And I know Renee Rouleau has talked about on her blog why she's not a fan of um, cleansing balms. Mm -hmm. But just things to consider because oil, as we know, they can all, different types of oils can have quote unquote comedogenic ratings, but that comedogenic rating is a sliding scale. It's not black and white. So, you know, it depends on the the pool of people that they studied um, the effects on the skin. Mm -hmm. So if you are somebody who's a little bit outside of the norm, um, it, it could be a problem for you. So when I work with super acneic clients, and this happens on a weekly basis, we talk about the oils in their routine. And even if it is a cleansing balm, we talk about maybe kind of taking that out of the routine just to see. And Mm -hmm. Lauren and I talk about this all the time. Like sometimes you, you might need to experiment with something else if you have a feeling, because as estheticians, we're trying to piece together all these little pieces of the puzzle. We're like little detectives. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're when we're in the treatment room, we all put on our detective hats and especially in the skin analysis. I think this is why I don't really have any like silent facials where it's just purely a relaxing experience mm-hmm. because I want to deliver results. Like I know that's for the most part what people are there for. I have, I mean, maybe like two out of 10 people who purely just want to relax and do not want to talk. And that happens. But I think for the most part, people come to you because they have concerns and it, you know, affects their self-confidence. So 
as many things as you can piece together for me has been what my clients appreciate, like really dissecting their routine and possibly bringing up things they wouldn't think about, like, um, you know, what they use to do their laundry or their workout routine or Mm -hmm. oils and the oils they use in their routine, like putting that all together so we can start minimizing the risk together. Yeah, exactly. And I think another thing to note is that um, the skin changes a lot. So one yes. of my one of my very best girlfriends, she um, it's been a few months now. And actually, remind me, should, I should check in on her, see how she's doing. <laughs> but um, she she had this like really intense breakout um, all over her forehead area, and it was just her forehead. It looked I, I she doesn't live where I live, so I couldn't see it in person. But um, from the photos, it looked really inflamed. Um, almost like a rash, but, um, little Mm -hmm. tiny pustules. And anyway, Mm -hmm. she was seeing a naturopathic doctor because she, it was obviously something internal that was causing it because she, it was just so sudden. She didn't, hadn't changed anything in her routine, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, she was a big fan of oils and she had used oils forever. I mean, we used to live together and she and I would just like bathe in oil yeah, all the time. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I mentioned to her cause you know, she was seeing somebody for the internal aspect, but then she texted me and said like, what do you think I should be doing? And I, I recommended that she stop using all oils because even though her skin could tolerate it prior, whatever was going on internally and causing this breakout oil was making it worse. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like it was her normal skin. It was almost like this like weird thing that had taken over her skin and oils wasn't meshing with whatever was going on inside. So once she cut out oils, it, it dramatically helped um, in that time. And I don't know if she's now using oils again now that she's gotten that all calmed down. Um, she probably could because like I said, the skin just, it changes so frequently. And if something internal is causing like a breakout or whatever, oils might be terrible for it. Oils might be good for it. It just depends. So you can't always rely on what's worked in the past, especially if your skin has changed or there's been a change in your health or something like that. So that's just another thing to keep in mind is that just because something has worked prior, it might not work anymore. That's so true. I love that point. And yeah, it's something I've realized myself, like in the summer months, typically I'll do, you know, my vitamin C and SPF and I'll skip moisturizer. And in the winter, I need that hydration. I need a little bit more Mm -hmm. and I can tolerate more layers, which is another piece of the puzzle. I think just, you know, thinking about the amount of layers and how that could be preventing oxygen from getting to the skin. So, so many different considerations here. Well, And that's why we're saying that it's like, you know, we're literally like detectives. We go to school and we get this, this base of knowledge. Right. And it's the same thing with your physician, with your doctor. I mean, you know, nobody can, you know, open up your skin and look inside and say, Hey, what's up? Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? So we have to kind of piece these things together. And that's, I think where our education and our experience really comes in clutch is because you know, we've seen so many different types of puzzles, you know, every person being a puzzle and you have to look more so at the big picture as opposed to just ingredients or certain products or certain concerns, you know, it's a whole picture thing. I think so. And I know some estheticians aren't as concerned with the whole picture and, you know, they're there to answer questions that 
as they come up, mm-hmm. but they don't get too invested. And, you know, there's just different schools of thought. Yeah. But, you know, I think when people like realize you really go out of your way to ask questions and get to know them and, you know, maybe make recommendations for trying things because mm-hmm. that's, you know, the best way to find out sometimes. I wish we could just wave a wand over the skin and say, you know, it's as simple as this. And sometimes it is, it could just be, you know, a dairy issue or a sensitivity. But most of the time, I think we have to um, go through a little bit of trial and error. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so our next question um, says, I've been thinking about going to aesthetic school, but I'm super nervous. I work in a call center right now and absolutely dread it. I'm nervous going back to school because I'm older. Do you think this will be a disadvantage that I'm no longer in my twenties? I don't think so at all. I think that, you know, as somebody, I, so, you know, you guys know, I, I now work in the more corporate aspect. I work for a brand. So I work with a lot of different estheticians now. So I have seen, you know, I've seen interacted, worked with estheticians that are super young in their twenties, some that are older in their fifties and sixties that have been doing this their entire lives. And I think that age truly doesn't matter in this industry at all. I really don't think it matters at all. What I think matters is staying current and staying on top of what's going on in the skincare industry now, because as we always say, it's a never ending field of change. It's always changing. There's always new ingredients. There's always new services. There's new devices, new treatments, new everything all the time. So what I see sometimes are estheticians that are maybe a little older and they haven't necessarily kept up that education portion of, of their work and they haven't stayed current with, with the new treatments and ingredients and et cetera. So that can be, I think a little challenging, but I think that just going into it and not being in your twenties anymore, I don't think that matters at all because as long as you dedicate yourself to the education and to, you know, really honing your craft, then age really doesn't matter. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, totally agree. And when I think about my class, it was such my class in aesthetic school. It was such a mixed bag and that was the beauty of it. And, you know, some of my best friends were in their mid thirties and they were doing this now because they'd thought about it for so long. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now they were realizing like this, this is what they truly want to do. Even if they've had kids and this is a second, third, fourth career. I think it's about the intention. And a lot of them had that strong intention to open a business, you know, once they got enough experience. And if you have that determination, nothing is going to stop you. Also 30s, so young, like you have so much, so much life ahead of you. Life really, it's long. Like you have time. I think Gary Vee says this all the time. It's, you know, feeling rushed and having that lack of patience and hustle and humility. That's really what, um, you know, detracts people from succeeding. But like I myself, I found this career later and I got into, you know, media and a corporate job at the quote unquote normal age. But if you're not happy in it, it really doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if you are burnt out because it's not fulfilling you. It just, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. So Mm -hmm. 
It's really just about, I think, um, you know, trying something if it lights you up and if you're curious about it, I think you owe it to yourself to try that out if you have the means. Mm -hmm. That said, I mean, you know, being a traditional esthetician in a spa setting, I think it helps to be able-bodied and healthy and have the energy and maybe age doesn't necessarily even matter in this case because there's 50 and 60 year olds that have more energy than me. But Mm -hmm. I think it is something to consider that it can be a physical job. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, these aren't end all be all. So. Right. Yeah. I think that when it comes to the physicality of the job, making sure that you take you're taking care of yourself yeah. as far as your posture yeah. goes. Cause I think that's the biggest one for us is posture and, yes. and health of our back. Um, I think that as long as you take the preventative measures, like don't let yourself get to a point where you are in pain every single day before you do something, take the preventative right. measures, make sure you have a comfortable stool. If that means asking your boss, like, Hey, this stool is killing my back. Can I please, you know, can we switch it out? Is there something we can do? Like you have to advocate for yourself in that sense, making sure that you are um, being preventative about it and maintaining the health of your back as opposed to, you know, later on down the line, trying to treat an issue I think is, is super important. I love that. And so glad you mentioned it. We are all about the self-care and the things. And I do, you know, weekly physical therapy appointments just because it's, you know, it's circumstantial. I've been in a few accidents, so my body is not the same as somebody else's. I have autoimmune things going on. Um, so it's all so personal and we're so honored that you guys even like come to us asking, you know, if it's worth it to get into, but I think only, you know, your, your financial circumstances, those things, like that, if you have the freedom to, I say, like, I'm all for taking the risk. I think, you know, happiness really is what matters and the the ROI because just making money and doing, quote unquote, the standard normal thing, I don't think that always necessarily wins out in the long term. So I think it's all about what lights your fire, what you are excited to do when you wake up. And I know some of you are listening to this podcast because it truly gets you so fired up and excited and you love beauty and you're so excited to help people and work with people. So I think just learn as much as you can about the industry and, you know, Maybe it means trying it out for a little bit, going to school, um, putting in the work and the long hours to just see if something works out. You know, yeah. maybe you don't love it as much as you thought you would, but I think the risk is worth the yeah, reward. I think life is too short not to try. It really exactly. like the, you know, in my ripe old age of 28, I just keep thinking <laughs> like I... I just think life is too short not to enjoy every single day. So, I mean, just the fact that she goes to a call center every day and hates it, dreads it. I've been there and it's truly so draining. I can't imagine. So I think if you have the means, absolutely try it. There's no, there's no harm in trying. Amen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. The next question is... Hi, Tessa. So I have an SD question. I had an interview and they called me back for a facial audition. Do I wear interview clothes or scrubs, which is what they wear there? 
Also, I'm so nervous. When does the audition start? The moment they walk in or lay down, I'm so nervous. Okay. Yeah. Totally understandable. Wow. I am so, I'm so nervous in interviews myself. Okay. If it helps anyone to hear, it's, it's a, a situation. It's a high-pressure situation. Mm-hmm. But try to remember that these people are – they probably like want they want to hire a good qualified person like they are looking to make their job easy right you know they're looking for your qualifications they're not looking for your disqualifications I don't think you know what I mean like I don't think when you walk in they're looking for things to fault you on they're more so looking for things that align with them if that makes any sense yeah yeah and so back to the outfit question Mm -hmm. this is I don't know if there's a right or wrong in our industry. I I think you, you know, you could go either way. And I don't think either would be like wrongly misinterpreted. Personally for me and Lauren, I'm curious to hear what you've done. When I've gone on interviews, I've dressed like I would to any other interview. I mean, maybe not something like, any, I don't know, somebody in finance or um, a very high corporate environment I'm sure you dress more in some sort of like suit attire pantsuit I don't I'm not in that world but um personally when I've gone on these interviews I've dressed you know like I guess business casual is the word Mm -hmm. maybe some heels and nice pants and a button-down shirt I feel like that Lauren what do you think I feel like that works across the board a blazer can't go wrong yeah so I have a couple a couple thoughts here when you're going in for your first when you're going in for your first interview, just sitting down and talking, my mom, and this has always stuck with me my whole life. She's always Tell told me. me, dress like you would basically if you were going to work there for a day. However, yeah. I, I know that this can be a little different for um, aesthetics if you are you know, going to a place where they wear scrubs. I don't think you should wear scrubs for either portion, for the for the initial interview or for the audition. So I think that for the initial interview, just go in, try to fit in with their vibe. So if you're going somewhere that's like super trendy and it's, you know, a hair salon and facials and they're all really cool, try to fit that. If you're going somewhere that's very medical and very professional, maybe like Tess said, wear a really nice blazer, maybe some slacks that are more professional, but try to fit the vibe of wherever you're going into. And then since she said she's going back for a facial audition, I have, yes. a, I have a couple thoughts on this. First of all, yes. no, I wouldn't wear scrubs just because I don't think that that's necessary. That's not going to reflect on, you know, on your performance. Um, I would say wear something comfortable that you can move in because you don't want to be doing a facial yeah. and like rip a sleeve or <laughs> not be able to do it properly because you can't move. So wear something comfortable. Do make it professional. So if you wear like a blazer, make sure you can take that off and be able to move around. Don't wear sleeves that are going to get in somebody's face. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you don't want to go over her face and then have a sleeve tickle her nose <laughs> or, right. or bracelets jiggle jiggle in her ears or yeah. anything like that. Don't wear rings. Make sure your nails are, are looking nice and not dirty. Um, now I think nail polish is kind of a controversial topic on some people yeah. say like, oh, someone could have a nail polish allergy. So don't wear nail polish. Some people say polish them because it looks better. I don't know. Oh, I, I've never heard that. Yeah. I, I, I heard it like a long time ago. Somebody, um, just a coworker was saying that like, oh, you shouldn't ever wear nail polish because what if somebody's allergic 
And I don't necessarily think anyone can have an allergy to dried nail polish that's on somebody else. Plus, you're not really like scratching them with your nails. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, so I think just wear something that looks professional, fits the vibe of the place and that you're comfortable and can move in and can perform the best facial um, of your abilities because you don't want to be limited just because you wanted to wear something that, you know, looked a certain way. So also she asks, when does the audition start the moment they lay down um, or walk in? Um, I would say probably the moment they walk into the room, like as soon as you, if they're walking in or you're greeting them, you know what I mean? Maybe they're going to have her go up and greet the person and take them back. That's when I think it would start. Absolutely. Yeah. I think all those cues matter. And I think companies are looking for the overall picture. If you, you know, fit in there, like you said, Lauren. And it, it, I mean, I was nervous even thinking about when I first started my job, but, and your rapport and ability to talk to people, if it's, you know, less than perfect now, I think it will only improve from there. But that said, I think it does start when you walk in the door, people or spas are looking to see that you are personable, friendly, just be nice, be polite when in doubt. Yeah. And I think show your personality a little bit. I don't be afraid to, I think a lot of people get afraid to show their personality in, in like an interview setting because it is so like business focused and professional. But again, my mom, she always tells me people want to work with people that they like. So, you know, just be friendly, vibe with them, have a good conversation. um, Just be yourself. And if, you know, if they don't like you as yourself, then you don't like them either. Which <laughs> <laughs> is not the fit. Yeah, yeah you will exactly. find somewhere. And I've had experiences on both sides where, you know, things were good, but maybe it just wasn't the best fit. And I ended up finding something that was more suited to me and that I am happier. So if it if it isn't your best interview of life, that's okay. Oh my gosh, I've had interviews where I think the key thing is I've just not been myself and it's so easy to kind of black out and get so nervous that, oh man, when I first started out with my first jobs, I was such a little nervous wreck, but you get better with time. And I think the best bosses want to make you feel comfortable and, you know, want to take that pressure off because they know it's already nerve wracking enough, but just have faith that the universe will catch you and you will land where you are meant to land and somewhere that sees the potential for your growth. Mm -hmm. I think that's another thing to, they don't expect you if you are a new esthetician and that what, that's what the the position is for. They don't expect you to be perfect. They want to see potential to mold you. And sometimes that's more appealing to spas than, you know, somebody with 15 years of experience who's super seasoned and that totally changes based on, you know, what they're looking for. But yeah, even myself where I am now, I think my boss saw, you know, the potential to make me into a a good esthetician. Um, And she put that faith in me and I'm sure somebody will do the same for you. So just try to be yourself you got this. Mm-hmm. Give yourself a little pep talk before. And yeah, I think Lauren, you hit on great points as far as like the the outfit attire. One thing I wanted to add was probably no denim. And yeah. I would say, yeah, I would say keep the interview and the the second 
interview where you're actually going into the facial, like a little bit different categories. I think first time, totally a good call to be, you know, professional and maybe wear a cute blazer. And then, you know, second facial, maybe keep state board in mind as well. You know, dangly jewelry, like Lauren said, and having not long sleeves, but no tank tops, anything like that. Keep that in mind and yeah, wear something that you will be comfortable in that you can do all of your movements in and, you know, really put your passion behind. Exactly. Well said. Do you have any other questions lined up or was that our last one? No, that was my last one for now. For now. Yeah. We love doing Q&A. This is like my favorite type of episode to record because I just love talking specifics. (laughs) Yeah. And I want to know like, what do people want to know? Because I especially, I think being in this business for so long, you know, yeah. things just kind of go over my head and things that I take for granted, other people don't. So, and vice versa. So I think that I just, if you guys ever have questions, please DM us because I love them. I love like messaging back and forth um, or talking about on the podcast. I just, I love it. Yes, me too. And I'm always gathering them up. I actually recently filmed a Q&A. So it's funny, Lauren, you suggested doing a Q&A today because I have a whole bunch of other questions on my YouTube. So hopefully this is helpful. And this way we are like directly serving you guys and your needs. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks everybody for listening again. Let us know if you guys have any other questions you want us to, to answer or follow up questions. If something wasn't clear here, let us know, but thanks so much for always listening and supporting us. We really appreciate it. Yes. We love you guys so much. All right. Well, we'll see you guys in the next one. Bye. Bye.